Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets, to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. So I made it back from Colorado and through a crazy hard race, I'll share a few details at the end, along with a response to an email I received this week about last week's podcast. But questions first for those who are here solely for the questions and then the extras at the end for those who like to hear it all. The first question is a potty training struggle and the second is about communicating with a toddler who has some speech delays and the struggles that can go along with that. So first, Kim wrote, Thank you so much for your informative and inspiring podcast. I have a potty training question regarding my 20-month-year-old boy. So for background, my son is a single child and I stay home with him full-time. He has a very sweet and gentle personality, is intelligent, loving, and likes to please. With regard to potty training, he has been watching me use the bathroom since always and is familiar with the process. I was planning to start potty training sometime this summer. In preparation, I did buy my son some potty training books, which he loves, and a few weeks later decided to bring a small potty chair into the house so that he could get used to it being around. The day he saw the potty chair for the first time, he got emotional. He stuck his head in the toilet and whined. I told my husband that night that we should probably wait because he was not showing signs the emotional readiness for potty training. To our surprise, but the next morning, my son suddenly refused to wear a diaper and started peeing everywhere in the house. It seemed like the potty training was happening. I quickly gathered myself and we followed the potty training in three days strategy very carefully. I decided to introduce a pull-up for nap time and bedtime so as not to disrupt his sleep and because he still wakes up with a very wet diaper after his 12 hours of sleep or even his two-hour nap, so I just don't see him being ready to hold it for that long. It seemed to be going very well from day one. Although he was definitely not fully potty trained in three days, he understands the concept, was able to pee when I encouraged him to sit on the toilet, and was even able to verbally tell me he needed to pee with no prompting a couple times a day. He seemed proud and excited. 
About a week later, he had some success going number two in the toilet on his own as well. He even showed interest in using the big toilet, so we also got him a step stool and a seat for that. He has been able to use the restroom at restaurants, parks, and other people's houses. He was having daytime accident-free days about twice a week. Fast forward three weeks from when we started and things seem to be getting worse. It seems like he lost interest or just forgot about it because he's having more and more accidents every day. When he has an accident, he does not get upset and just continues doing what he was doing. Sometimes it seems like he has no idea he's about to pee or poop when it happens. In the morning, when he seems to have the most accidents, I set a timer or just take him every 20 to 40 minutes. Sometimes he'll sit on the toilet and push, but nothing comes out. And two or three minutes later, he has an accident. Because he was so self-motivated at the beginning of the process, I did not use any treats or rewards other than letting him watch a little family video on my phone when he was seated at the toilet. I've continued to do that as a motivator, which he does enjoy. I wonder if we rushed this. I had an honest talk with him today and asked him if he would rather keep wearing underwear or go back to diapers, and he said no diapers. I feel stuck with him not being fully potty trained, but also not wanting to go back to diapers. It just results in a lot of cleaning up and feeling nervous whenever we go to public spaces. I have heard you talk about the three aspects of readiness, emotional, physical, and cognitive, and I wonder if he was not physically ready. I wonder if some of the accidents he has are because he's not fully in touch with the feeling of needing to go. Or I wonder if he was not emotionally ready and has been doing all of this to please us parents. I would love some advice. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Kim. So first, Kim, yeah, it sounds like he's just not ready, actually in several aspects. Well, it seems like most toddlers are more reluctant to even try the potty training process when it comes to potty training. It's also very common for some toddlers to be super excited and motivated about it and rush the process. It's new to them, it's mature, it's fun, but then the novelty wears off and a relapse occurs. Now, my daughter did this. She actually trained herself at two and a half. She was in such a hurry to grow up and be like her big brother, and she actually did great for almost a year until her twin brother finally potty trained. Literally, the day he became potty trained, all of a sudden, it wasn't so special to her anymore, and she started having multiple accidents. So first of all, I highly recommend using a process called the potty without pressure method. This is recommended by the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics. And this is following this, the readiness signs. You really wanna look for the readiness signs. And one of those signs is that, is your child able to feel the sensation of having to go to the bathroom, letting you know, I have to pee, I have to poop. That's a really big sign that they're actually really ready to potty train. Um, it sounds like he is able to tune into it to some degree, but not fully. And so the timing method may not work because he's just not feeling it. He doesn't know he has to go. And so you're just trying to sort of catch it or time it. So that is going to be a difficult process and is going to make it uh, pretty frustrating. The other thing I want to mention is about the rewards. And I love that you didn't use rewards because you really want the potty training process to come from an internal motivation of wanting to use the potty. When you use an external motivator, like some type of reward, then that becomes about the external motivator and not about the process of becoming potty trained and reaching that goal, that next step of growing up and becoming more independent. So you do want to stay away from those. The problem that you can have with the videos or the phone is that it can distract the child from the feeling of what it feels like when they have to go to the bathroom. So if they're sitting on the toilet until they kind of loosen up enough to go to the bathroom, if they're watching a video, they may not even feel when they go. 
Um, and so it's going to distract from that. So it's going to distract them from focusing on that and they're not going to learn what that sensation feels like. So you probably want to get rid of that also to help him tune into his body so that when he's sitting on the potty, if he does happen to go, that he's going to really connect with that sensation of going to the bathroom. As I've already mentioned, my answer to this is that it does sound like he's just not fully ready. When a toddler is fully ready, they should potty train with relative ease and be accident-free most days. So you should have many days of no accidents and maybe a few days of accidents here and there. Accidents would be one to two a day at most on those accident days. And the accident-free days obviously are no accidents. I'm gonna take a moment here also to talk about the nighttime, and you're absolutely right. The, the nap time and nighttime potty training means you wanna see that diaper be dry for two weeks to a month even straight when they wake up from the nap or from the morning. So until you see that diaper being dry for the entire night for a quite a long time, a stretch of time, two weeks minimum up to a month, then you know you can get rid of those and be good at nighttime. And that comes much later than the daytime potty training. So um, don't even, so no need to even concern yourself with that right now. Also, by the age of 24 months, this is really early for most toddlers and especially for boys. Now, some kids are ready and they do fully potty train that early, but the average for girls is about two and a half and for boys, it's around three. So each kid is really on their own schedule. Some are earlier and many are later. My boys were later potty trainers. My daughter, as I mentioned, was on the earlier side. She was raring to go until everyone else was potty trained. My oldest, I tried to push him because I was done with three kids in diapers and cloth diapers nonetheless. I was so done, so it became about me. And I realized as his siblings aged and got towards that potty training that that was a mistake. I really did make a mistake with him trying to push him. I really didn't cue into him not being ready. I was ready, darn it. With my younger son, I never pushed him because I learned from the older one. And I felt bad about that. I knew I wasn't going to do this to my younger son. But by three, he wasn't even showing any interest. Three years and four months, I went ahead and worked with him. And every single time he had an accident, he didn't make it into the toilet even once. He would even sit there for a few minutes. Nothing would happen. He'd get up and a few minutes later, he would pee all over the floor. We tried this for about three to four days just to see if he'd get the hang of it or start to get the hang of it, not a single success, not a drop of pee into the toilet. He just wasn't ready. But two months later, I thought, you know, we'll try again because I know he's getting close to this age. He's now three and a half. So let's give it another shot. Seriously, that kid got it that day. That first minute I stuck him on the potty, we put him in underwear. He never had a single accident after that. It was just timing. Now that is the easiest potty training I've ever had. Now I know your son isn't too keen on going back to diapers, but it just sounds like he needs more time to mature both physically and emotionally in order to be ready to tune into his physical signs and then emotionally be ready to like stop what he's doing and get to the potty. Now you can offer to give him a few days if you'd like, but I'd go back into diapers for a while. He's always welcome to still use the potty even if he's in diapers and let him know there's really nothing wrong with needing to use diapers for a while longer. That the potty is still there for him to use if he feels it, starts to tune in and says, I have to go pee, he's certainly welcome to still go use the potty, especially if you put him in some pull-ups, that makes it easier. Once he starts letting you know he needs to use the potty, noticing the signs he has to go, 
and trying to get himself there a lot more often, then you can also definitely try again. There's no reason you can't try again next month or in a couple months. That opportunity is always there. It doesn't mean this closes the window for the next six months or a year. That opportunity, you can always leave it open. For any parents getting close to embarking on or thinking about embarking on the potty training process, the potty training class covers the steps for potties without pressure method, along with the readiness sign so you know when your toddler is fully ready, making the process a lot smoother, the pre-readiness signs and steps to introduce the concept of potty training, along with troubleshooting guide for common issues like relapses, constipation, public restrooms, travel, night times, and more. And you can find that class on the website at your villageonline.com under the health and development section. The next question is from Dragana, who wrote, my two and a half year old little girl is an only child who is having speech delays, which makes it very hard for us to guess what she wants at any time. For example, what she wants to eat. Her lack of communication, I think also gets in the way of potty training because we can't communicate with her. She is in speech therapy, which is good, but we speak two languages at home, which is perhaps the cause of her delay. Any advice on how to deal with a child you really can't talk to would be very helpful. Or if you can point me towards certain classes you offer or articles, that would be great. For example, a daily struggle we have is she just cries when she wants something and we have to guess what's wrong or what she wants. I'm not sure how to improve that. Even when we know she's hungry, we have to make three or four different things to figure out what she wants to eat instead of her just telling us initially. And one last thing, we also can't get her to be okay with flipping her car seat to face front. When we flipped it two weeks ago before going somewhere and we tried to put her in, she threw a fit so we had to switch her car seat back. I'm not sure how we're going to win that battle. I feel none of this is quote unquote normal. However, I am an older parent and don't have friends who have young kids. Thanks for your help. So I wrote back to Dragana right away because she is a member and gave her quite a few options for each of these. But the information I gave her is first to work on giving some choices. So giving her daughter two choices for breakfast and letting her daughter point. So example, giving her two fruit choices and show her apple or strawberry or apple or banana. Pull them both out and let her point to it and then clarify. Okay, you want banana today. I will peel the banana then. Then do the same thing with the other choices, cereal or toast. Pull out the cereal and the bread and let her point to it. This will continue to build her vocabulary and help her communicate before she's speaking. Now, even though she's not speaking much or at all, the comprehension level with most kids who are speech delayed is usually still very high. It's usually on par with their peers but they just are struggling to get the words out. So she's probably understanding pretty much everything the parents are saying. She just isn't able to reciprocate. So in addition to giving her that information about choices, I also pointed her to the class on choices because especially because they're falling into these pitfalls with offering lots of things until their daughter is able to communicate which one she wants. And so they're gonna need to pull that back and offer the choice before they make something and then stick with it. So that can be a real pitfall with choices. And the class covers how to set up the choices, communicate with your child that this is your final choice, and then go with it. And if they don't stick with it, how to deal with setting that boundary with the final choice so that going forward, they're able to understand that their final choice is the choice because they got the choice in the beginning. I said choice a lot in there, but anyway. And this way you're not getting into a space where the toddler gets to change their mind and run everyone ragged. So that class or the discipline tools for toddlers class, which also covers choices along with several other tools, 
is on the website at yourvillageonline.com. It's under the discipline section. Now, the other suggestion I gave Dragana is that to consider learning some sign language. You still speak the language, in our case, English, but then you use the sign language with it. So you make the sign for banana, but you also say banana at the same time. This is because the child can sign back, usually before they can speak. So this way her daughter can start to use some sign language and working to communicate back. I told her to learn some basics, things like food, water, ball, common toys and common foods that she likes. Cereal, banana, strawberry, apple, that type of thing. This way she can communicate back. She can also communicate feelings. She can communicate what she wants, when she wants to get down, when she wants to be picked up. And so she can learn to communicate without having to cry or whine or fuss because those are things that are gonna be difficult to undo once those become ingrained habits. You wanna work on breaking her needing to whine or cry or fuss to get what she wants and to start to communicate. And you can probably just look on YouTube for that. Now when my kids were little, I bought a DVD and I'm sure they still sell those too. Also on average, bilingualism can delay speech for the early first milestone. So the first words, the first sentences tend to be delayed in children from bilingual homes. But also research shows that bilingual kids or kids from bilingual homes do catch up and surpass their monolingual peers in many areas of cognitive and language development. So I still suggest keeping up two languages unless you have a speech or occupational therapist who tells you otherwise. Sometimes they will tell you to go to just one language for a bit while your child catches up and then you can go back to the two languages. But the benefits of being bilingual far outweigh the late milestones overall. So for those interested in learning more about the benefits of bilingualism or any other developmental milestones, the class You're Developing Toddler and You're Developing Preschooler talk about language development, including multilingualism, along with all the other areas of development, the fine and gross motor, the emotional, social, cognitive, etc. So you may want to check out those sections to learn more. Also let Durgana know to hold off on the potty training for now unless she's really showing signs of being interested and then send her to the potty training class so that she could look for those readiness signs. And then also let her know she could start with the steps for pre-potty training if you think she'll be interested in reading the books, getting the potty, kind of getting things ready with that process. Um, now she is only two and a half, so there's really no hurry on that. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear and blazers, just to name a few. With armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best dressed person in the room. 
Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. But the potty training, she should be really ready and able to do it all herself. Get to the potty, get her pants down, She won't really need to tell you anything, but only to be able to understand your instructions. And some kids will announce it. I have to go potty. I have to pee. I have to poo. And they'll run to the potty. It just may be easier to wait until her language skills kick in and get stronger. And then as far as her facing backwards, it's actually the safest riding position in the car. And actually, most kids are in a hurry to get turned around forward. Now, I know she's over two. The laws now, I know in California, has been changed to... Uh, You don't turn the seat around until your child is at least two years old, which is great. But if she wants to stay backward facing, I think that's awesome. I would just keep her. So long as she fits and the size for the safety for rear facing for her car seat, so her weight and her height are within the limits, rear facing in the car seat, there's really no need to turn her forward facing. I know it's harder for the parents when it comes to handing toys or snacks, but one day she'll just be ready and you can offer the choice, let her know anytime she's ready, you'll turn the seat around. You can just say to her, if you decide you're ready to face forward, just let me know and we'll get the seat turned around for you. Now, again, if she's over the height and weight limit for rear facing, then there is just no choice. You just need to turn it around or get a new seat and just say, I'm sorry, honey, that seat doesn't fit you anymore and this is what we have to do. And you'll just have to set that boundary and let her know that's what has to happen. To check out any or all of the 50 classes on demand in positive discipline, development, health, education, now that it's back to school time, my kids start Tuesday. It's been a really fun summer. I've loved being home with them this summer. We've had some really great adventures, but I'm really excited for them to start school too. Two third graders and a fifth grader. Um, And then the modern parenting section, you can go to yourvillageonline.com. And don't forget the promo code 
iron, I-R-O-N, 15, for 15% off any of the memberships. This is good to use through August 31st. After that, it'll expire. It won't work anymore. You can enter that at the bottom of the checkout page. Now, I also uh, promised a race report for those interested, and then I wanted to address an email that I got this week about my podcast last week. So first of all, you know, my podcast last week was very different than my usual podcast, which I did say in the beginning of it. The email that I got was that this mom felt like the podcast was a lot about me and really didn't offer very much helpful tips for most parents out there who are really struggling day to day to get through the day. And so I wanted to address that, you know, for anyone else who happened to have the same feelings or the same thoughts about that. My intention for the podcast was twofold. Number one was to give parents permission to have their own goals, because I think that we really struggle with that. How do I balance taking care of my kids, doing all of these things for them, giving them all these opportunities. I think there's a lot of pressure in society today to offer our kids so many opportunities and so much almost perfection in childhood. And I think it's just unrealistic and it's too much. And I do see a lot of parents getting lost in that. They lose themselves in that. Um, And so I wanted to give parents permission to be an individual, to have some goals of your own and not feel like you have to bend all the time and that your kids always have to come first. Because, you know, parenting is about so many things. It's not just about our children. It's about our relationships with them, their relationships to us, our relationships to our partner or our spouse. If we have one, our relationships to previous generations, right? That affects how we parent. Our relationship with our own parent or parents, our relationship with our own siblings will really color the way that we help our our children get along with their siblings. So it's a really complicated system that we're working with and to become aware of. And then the relationship to ourself, which is also an important relationship to have and to keep. Now, I did go back and listen to the episode, and I did feel like I did a pretty good job of getting across the message that I meant to, but it may have been missed for some people. And my intention is never to make any parent feel less than or feel bad because they're just struggling and they're not even able to set their own goals or they're struggling to set their own goals. My only intention there is to let you know it's okay to set your own goals and it's okay to start working towards those. And I did say in the beginning that if your kids are little, sometimes that just means getting a shower. Like that's your self-care for the day. I had many of those days when my kids were really little. And that's a place to start. But just that that in the long term, you can think forward about, I want to go back to school, or I really want a promotion at work, or I want to go back to work, I want a new career. I want to get in better shape. I want to volunteer. Whatever your goal is, it's okay to have that. It's okay to kind of put it out there and shoot for it and start sort of looking at it and figuring out how you're going to bring that closer, even if it's not going to be for a couple of years until your kids are a little older. If you're struggling in certain areas with your kids, to figure out some ways to get a handle on that. If you're struggling with your bedtimes and nighttimes and you're not getting any time to yourself and you're like, I want to go back to school and that's what I'm going to study, I got to get these bedtimes nailed down, whatever it is. That was my intention with that podcast. My other intention, honestly, was to inspire. It's to inspire parents who 
feel like I can't have anything for myself or how can I make this happen? I really want to do this, but I don't see how it's possible. That was my other intention. So I hope that most of you got that out of the podcast. I mean, I love stories from people who are just killing it. And that doesn't mean they don't struggle. And that doesn't mean that I don't struggle. I absolutely struggle. You know, we all struggle. I actually, there's a woman when I was back in Colorado, I stayed with my mom for a week. And there was a woman who came to clean her house. And this woman, I can't even remember the totality of her story, but it just blew me away. So she's cleaning houses. She's actually an accountant, but she's doing this job because she has a child. And I think she had a couple of challenging children. She has a child with some physical disabilities and issues that she needed to be able to take him to all of his doctor's appointments. And so her accounting job didn't allow her the flexibility, but the cleaning, she can schedule in and around his doctor's appointments, the days, the times she can work. And so this is what she's doing right now. She was happy to be there. She was thrilled to be working. It didn't matter to her that she wasn't using her professional experience because she was able to be there for her son. And I have to tell you, like, I was so blown away by this woman. So her son had some sort of tumor or something in his brain that was causing just a lot of problems for him. He was speech delayed. There were all kinds of issues. They couldn't find a doctor who would operate on him, including Children's Hospital in Denver. Like nobody wanted to touch this. They had to do their research. They had to find someone, I think it was even out of state, who would do an operation. And they got the operation done. I think it was fairly successful. But then he was on some medications that caused additional issues where there was some nerve damage and now he can't feel when he has to go to the bathroom. So he has accidents and there's other types of occupational therapy and physical therapy he needs to go through now. It was just a crazy, crazy story. Like so many challenges in this woman's life. I was blown away and I thought, I just, I have nothing to complain about in my life. And I was so amazed by her. I was amazed by not just how dedicated she was and to her child, which I guess we probably all would be, right, in that situation. We would do whatever we had to. But she just, she was not bitter. She was not angry. She was didn't seem frustrated. She was like, I get to work. We need the money. This is what I'm going to do. And I need to take care of my child. And she was just, she was incredible. Just an incredible, incredible woman. And her story really touched me. And so these are the kinds of people and stories that really inspire me. And so I always hope to be an inspiration to other people. And so that was really my intention with that. And one of the reasons I do these Ironman races, the 70.3s and next year a 140.6, is because the people that do these events are incredible people. They have so many amazing stories to share. And I've talked about this in the past. I don't know how many of you are new listeners who don't know this about me, but I do have arthritis. I was diagnosed at age nine. I have four fake joints in my body, my two jaw joints. And as of two years ago, I had both of my hips replaced. So that's been my challenge and why I love doing this because I can do it. And it's been a reminder to me that I need to take care of my body and that anything that it can do, I just need to be grateful for it. Um, But there's people out there who are cancer survivors, who have lost children, who have, I mean, you name it. Like these stories are incredible. These people are total warriors. And when I meet a person at these races, 
you know, there's people out there missing legs. There's I saw a guy out there on the run missing an arm, half an arm. These people are just incredible, incredible, incredible people, and they inspire me. And I know I'm not going to be for everybody. I know my message isn't going to be for everybody. But if it resonates with you, I'm really glad that it does. And I hope that you do find some inspiration in my stories and some interest in my stories. But these are the reasons that I share about it. I want to bring my full self to my podcast, to my classes. And I feel like I'm not doing anyone a service if I don't share all of me and put it all out there. So thanks for listening to that. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, oh, my race, that's right. Oh, so a quick race recap. So this was in Boulder, Colorado. It's at about 5,500 feet in altitude. I did go early to acclimate. I got fairly well acclimated, so that was great. I went out to the reservoir. I swam a couple times before the race. Um, I took my son with me. My oldest son actually swam with me, and he has gotten amazing at the open water swimming. I used to be faster than him, and he swam with me partway out to the first buoy, and then he was just like, I'm not waiting for He didn't say this, but he just kind of took off. He was like, I'm not waiting for my mom, and he just went. And, you know, I'm as a mom, even though he's 10 and he's been at the lake all summer and he's been doing summer guards, I was a little worried. I'm like, I, I want to get back to the shore so I can make sure he's okay, make sure he's there. Well, I'm coming into shore and I see him standing there, cap off, goggles off, just standing there with his arms crossed, just waiting for me. <laughs> he was obviously totally fine. And there were lifeguards out there. I mean, they were out there all over the course. So, you know, he was fine. But he's gotten really amazing. So anyway, I practiced in the open water. We get to race day. We are allowed to wear our wetsuits. I started out on the swim, and for some reason, I started to panic. I just was having a hard time catching my breath. I'm sure it was the altitude a little bit. Just You just are never, you could never perform fully to your abilities at altitude, even people who live there, that you could at sea level because of the lack of oxygen. But I started to panic a little bit. It was the beginning of the race, and I was like, you still have over a mile to go. Like You, you have to figure this out. So anyway, I took a few minutes to get myself calmed down, went back to the swimming and I really nailed that last half of the swim, not more than the last half, sorry. I really nailed the end of the swim. I really got into a rhythm, got myself in, took me 47 minutes, it was longer than I wanted, but I felt good about the swim. Good transition, um, great bike ride, 2,000 feet of elevation gain, all up or down, almost nothing flat on this course, a very hilly up or down course. I got three hours and 10 minutes. I was pretty happy with that time, including having to run up a hill with our bikes because they wouldn't let us get on it. So that included a couple minutes of running up that hill. So it was a good bike time. But then I hit the run and it was 91 degrees when we started the run, when I started the run. This course is full, solid, altitude, Colorado sun just beating on you. By the time I finished the run, it was 96 degrees. It was just hot. I couldn't eat anything. Usually I can eat on the run. I could not eat anything at the aid stations. I just couldn't process it. I was drinking water, doing ice cubes, and doing coke. That was it. Not not coke. Drinking coke. (laughs) That was it. That was all I could stomach. And I ended up walking most of this run. It was an extremely, extremely difficult run. And my time was not what I wanted. Um, And when I got back to the finish line, I broke down in tears when my kids all came up to hug me. I just, I, I put so much out there on this race and I just, it was so hard. And I was, I think I was proud of myself for just doing it and not quitting on the run. 
But I was so glad to be finished and I saw my kids and they hugged me and I just started crying like crazy. Yeah, Boulder, Colorado in August is is a definite challenge and I don't, I've conquered that race. I don't think I'll ever do it again. I think I'm going to find something. I can't do too cold. I can't do too hot. Um, you know, 80s is okay. 90s is just not, that's just, and with no shade is not fun. So I know my perfect race is coming. Every race I do, I learn something. I learn something about myself. I learn something about my training. And I really feel like I did a great job with the swim and learning how to sight those buoys a lot better. I usually swim all over and I didn't do that this time. So it was definitely a learning experience and I'm definitely improving physically and emotionally and strategically on these races. So if you listen through all that report and my whole diatribe, Thanks for sticking with me and listening. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.